Join us for live sweats. Oh! Yes! Let's go, Kansas 80, That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Well, tonight, P.J. Glasser is in for both. Nick Ashew here. Uh, 26-20 bucks over the heat right now. 49 seconds to go in the first quarter. Six points for you. Nick, all my friends are freaking out because Ohio State's at number six and Alabama's at number eight. I'm like, you morons. They don't play this weekend. It doesn't matter. And then my other dumb friend is like, oh, no, the committee actually implied that the winner of the Pac-12 title game is going to be in. So they didn't say that. If Oregon won, they'd be in. No, but they implied it. This is this is what we live with. I I can imagine your ridiculous co- your college football. Oh group my texts goodness! Ohio State's at six. We're in trouble. Oh my god, these people, Nick. <laughs> it's unreal. How are your bets looking in on uh, the NBA? Uh, right now, it's still very very early. And what I try to do is I don't get too worked up over the first quarter of any NBA game. That's that's my rule, that's my wise. friend. I've also got a bunch in the uh, Warriors. Kings later. So, oh, you know, that's right. There's there's quite there's quite got a that. few there. Only six points for Giannis. That, again, I, that was just part of a parlay. I hate taking unders with stars. Yep. But he really has struggled against Bam. And Adebayo's played great over the last nine games. Twenty plus points in nine straight games. Uh, this just felt. I took. I mean, it was under thirty two and a half. I boosted that number up and said, let's go under the highest number I can possibly get just to give myself a little extra leeway. But he's got six points. Uh, Bucks are you up 28-22. You got a 20-19 lead for the Nets right now over the Raptors. Boston already up 11-31-20 over the Bulls after the first quarter. Told you, that's ending in a blowout. That's why I didn't touch any props in that. Just, they're going to sit everybody. Clever. It's just it's just the best the best move is don't touch it. Uh, Atlanta's up 27-26 on the Cavs now as well. Only a couple days till Thursday Night Football. And we got a decent matchup. I, you know, you know what? what? It's I gotta, about damn time. I mean, be, if it's two straight weeks, although, you know the curse. Every, all these Thursday games, man, even when I we know. think it's good, think of what we've gotten. But as we talked about yesterday, at least these teams had a week, right? Because they both played on Thanksgiving. So it is Thursday, but at least it is a week for the Seahawks in Dallas. And let's just hope that we don't have another, you know, big-time injury to a player. Because that ba- ba- that Bengals-Ravens game, you could tell, was going to be really yes. good. It was going to be back and forth. I still Man. think the Bengals were going to win that game. And then Burrow gets hurt and obviously just takes the, the, the sale of that everything. But, yeah, man, it's a big game for Seattle. We talked about that schedule, and I know we're going to talk about it here coming up, but... I mean, at Dallas, at San Francisco, home against Philadelphia, you want to talk about a three-game stretch. Like, my goodness, winning one of those games is going to be a success. <laughs> All right, Michael Sean DeGar covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. He jumps on with us now. And let's start with one of those injuries that could have a major impact on this game. And Kenneth Walker, uh, I know he didn't go today. Do we have any idea? Have you heard anything in terms of what his likely status will become game time on Thursday? Yeah, first off, guys, thanks for having me. I love that your pre-recorded intro has a don't bet on the Wizards in it. That is such great advice. Here's the the problem, though, is that Ryan still bets on the Wizards all the time. We try to get him to stop doing it, and he still does it, and then he suffers all the time. But, you know, we we do the best we can to give advice. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love that as just the blanket advice, just don't bet. 
<laughs> stop betting on the Wizards. Uh, and in, in terms of injuries this week uh, with Ken Walker, I would be surprised uh, if he goes this week. You know, Pete Carroll is a generally optimistic guy. I mean, to the point that he called Abe Lucas's injury not an injury after it happened in week one, and then Abe hasn't played since, right? That's how optimistic that Pete is. He just said a guy wasn't even hurt. I mean, he hasn't played in two months now. Um, so <laughs> Pete on uh, uh, earlier today was just like, yeah, Ken's going into the Dallas game in question, which in Pete speak, that means this dude ain't playing. Um, so they'll go into this Dallas game without one of their more explosive weapons in Ken Walker. They have faith in Zach Charbonnet, and in terms of explosive runs and overall efficiency, Zach's been pretty decent. Um, that's on lower volume um, than he's had the last couple weeks with Ken out, so we'll see if he can continue that. But I would be very surprised if Ken plays. I would be very surprised if Abe Lucas, speaking of Abe, does not play. Like, I think he's going to go. I think he will start. Uh, I think they'll be. this will be the first time since week one that Seattle will have its two starting tackles with Charles Cross on the left and Abe Lucas on the right. I'm not sure how much of a difference that will make, um, but it will be good to have him out there. You know, most teams rely on pa- pass protection to win games against good opponents. Seattle hasn't had that in part because it's been down a tackle, so that'll be a big boost on Thursday night. I mean, what do you think, Gino? How effective do you expect him to be, Michael, on Thursday? Because obviously going against that Niners pass rush with that shoulder injury suffered against the Rams, it looked like he just clearly wasn't himself. And now he's going up against another great pass rush this week against Dallas. So especially if Walker, you know, if he's not playing, is this going to be a heavy dose of Charbonnet? Are they going to look to get creative in how they get JSN the ball and DK and how do you kind of see Seattle's game plan going with this pass rush that they're facing and with Geno's injury? Yeah, I think Geno's probably, he's not probably, I know he's feeling better than he did going into that Thursday game. The Thursday game was tough. It was the worst case scenario. He got hurt on his throwing arm four days before they had to play or however many days it was before they had to play the 49ers. That's just, you know, suboptimal in every possible way. He couldn't practice all uh, of that week. Not to say that guys practiced that much anyway before a Thursday night game, but the quarterback at least throws. You know, he couldn't even throw. You know, I didn't, in all fairness, I didn't show up to the Thursday night game until right before kickoff because I was with my family on Thanksgiving, like a normal human, not a football obsessed crazy. (laughs) Um, But I heard that Gino didn't even participate in pregame much. It's another red flag, man. You couldn't even just warm up. <laughs> that's that's a struggle, right? It, it, from what I've heard, he's been better this week. He's been able to throw and practice, and he's been fine going through normal routine. So that is good. How effective he will be against the Cowboys, though, that's tough, man, because Geno's had some good streaks of ball. Like, he's been able to actually move the ball against some teams quite a bit. Like, even when they've lost, he's thrown for 300-plus yards like he did against the Bengals a few weeks ago in a loss. Uh, and so – Beyond his like raw yardage total, what I'm looking for from Geno is can you be good situationally? The Seahawks are right there in third down numbers with teams like the Patriots and the Giants and the Jets. You don't want to be near them in any offensive numbers this year. Those teams stink. And the Seahawks are right there converting like 30-ish percent of the time. The Seahawks are not a good red zone team. Um, some of that falls on their quarterback as well. So Um, I'm more concerned with how he looks in those situations. Like if it's third and goal from the seven, can you punch it in? If it's third and eight backed up on your own 22 in the fourth quarter when you got to have it, can you make that throw that Deron Bland doesn't take to the house? I don't have a good answer for whether he'll be able to deliver in those situations, um, but I think that's going to be the most important part for Seattle. Geno's got the arm strength to do it. He's healthy enough. He's fine. But really it's just can he be on the same page with his guys and then ultimately make the throw? 
Yeah, I think we know in the NFL, obviously, the most important thing is the health of your quarterback because you can't win without a good quarterback. Uh, as a Commanders fan, I've learned that for a very, very long time. Mike. I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's suffer at, and every single year. But, you know, I, I look at this Seattle team, and let's put Geno Smith aside, and that, that really that offense aside, though, they, what, three touchdowns over the last four games is concerning. I... I look at something that really stands out to me, and it's their inability defensively to just get off the field. I mean, they're sixth worst in third down conversion rate, or third down defensive rate right now, and I'm looking at a Cowboys team that has an offense that's starting to trend upward. I mean, Brandon Cooks is starting to get more involved. They're starting to figure out, I guess you got to get Tony Pollard more involved in this and get him in the end zone because you said you were going to run the ball more, Mike McCarthy, so you might as well do it. What concerns you the most about this Seattle team defensively against this Cowboys offense? Yeah, it's it, their inability to get off the field, and particularly late in games. Like, you, Commanders fan, right? You watched that game. Yep. The offense was moving the ball in that game, but, I mean, you saw. They had a couple fluky plays where Brian Robinson was just wide open, and that accounted for about 100 of Sam's, what, 300 or maybe 200-something yards going into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, the fourth quarter hits, and then Sam Howell was Aaron Rodgers. right? And he led a bunch of uh, scoring drives with that totaled, I think, like 150 yards on his final two drives and then threw like a 35-yard touchdown uh, to Diami Brown, and that tied the game. Like, And the same thing happened against the Rams in Week 11 for the Seahawks. They were really good for three and a half quarters, and all of a sudden Matthew Stafford just leads scoring drives of 74 and 75 yards um, for the Rams to take the lead. That's really, really concerning uh, that your team is getting worse as the game goes uh, defensively. And I, one thing that I can attribute that to is a lack of pass rush. You know, the Seahawks have Bue Mafe, their second-year edge rusher, who had a streak of seven games in a row with a sack. Unbelievable stuff. That streak got snapped against the Rams in Week 11, and he hasn't had a quarterback hit since sacking Sam Howell in Week 10. I mean, when you can't pressure the quarterback, you generally cannot get off the field, particularly on third down. So that's where I'm most concerned, uh, because the Seahawks have gotten to the point where, after losing in Chenonuosu, they traded for defensive tackle Leonard Williams from the Giants, which was a great move, that forced him to put 275-pound Draymond Jones at outside linebacker, which is like fine. He can do it. But when you're asking defensive tackles to now play edge rusher because you're not getting anything from a Frank Clark or a Derek Hall, some of those other guys you counted on when you lost Chenna, all right, well, where's the pass rush going to come from? And when you don't have any pass rush, anybody can throw on you. As a Commanders fan, you saw Sam Howell was just lighting it up. He lights it up against pretty much everybody in terms of yardage, but he was really lighting the Seahawks up and looked like a franchise guy. So um, that's where I'm most concerned because with no pass rush, man, you can lose to guys like whatever dude's name is in the, with the Giants. Every time he plays, I think he's got a made-up name, and they just keep winning uh, up there because when you don't have a pass rush, a guy named DeVito can come and beat you. You know, So I, I'm really concerned about that for the Seahawks right now. If they don't get any pressure on Dak, it could be a long day uh, for their defense. Mike, I talked about it before we brought you on. The next three games, I mean, Dallas at San Francisco, home against Philadelphia. Of those three games, give me the one that you say is the least confident you are that Seattle wins that game, and then give me the one that you think they have the best chance of pulling off the upset. It's a good question. I've been thinking about this over the last um, week or so, kind of going into this stretch, because this is really a four-game stretch of Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. That's true. And that's about as as tough as it gets, and this just happens to be the year they also play the AFC North. They've got a healthy Joe Burrow. They, they're getting the Steelers later. They got the Ravens on the road, and then they had to face that, that Browns defense. Like Their schedule is pretty brutal. So um, I think if I had to pick one that they I feel the most confident about, you know, most confident is like being the tallest short guy, right? Like I don't feel great about any of those games. <laughs> but um, I, I would say Dallas – 
just because Dallas has the quarterback who like for he's he's very much like Josh Allen in that like he can be playing on, he can be on a heater. The best version of Dak is great. And then Dak will just do something and it'll be like, oh, now we're about to see Dak Prescott trending on Twitter. You know, because he just fumbled or just made some bad throw. Like you just you just see it. Either he does something or Mike McCarthy does something that has him trending on Twitter. The Cowboys get in their own way a little bit more than I would say the Niners in Philly. And if you're gonna beat a team that's better than you, you probably need some help from that other team in terms of getting in their own way. Where I'm the least confident is against the 49ers. Because I've been watching the Seahawks play the 49ers for the, since the 2022 season. They've played them four times. And by the fourth quarter, my story was halfway done each time. They just weren't close. They weren't competitive. Um, they had a lead going into halftime of the playoff game last year. And they ended up losing by like 20. That's really tough to do, you know, to be up and then just get boat raced like that. So I'm least the least confident and then the Niners, it just seems like Kyle Shanahan has figured out a way to take everything that the Seahawks do well and just make them bad at it on that particular afternoon. So uh, I think the Seahawks have the, probably the best shot against Dallas because Dallas shoots itself in the foot a little bit more than some of these other good teams. And when they go to San Francisco next week, it feels like we could be in for another blowout because the Niners are just like they're Thanos. He, the Niners are Thanos with all the Infinity Stones right now. When they're locked in, they're, they're tough to beat. Who do you feel like is the best team that you've seen? Because I think most people would agree that the Niners and the Ravens might be the two best teams. You've seen Seattle play both of them. So when you watched them against both of those teams, who did you walk away saying that that team was better? That's a good question. I would give a slight lean um, to, to the Ravens. I think that both of the coordinators on the Ravens side are really locked in. Not to say that they're not in the, the Niners, but you can really see it, particularly with that Ravens defense. They are so multiple and they just find new ways to generate pass rush. Cause you look at the, the Ravens and you're not like when the Niners pass rush, right? It's great. They have Bosa, they got Armstead, they got Chase Young now. You're like, oh, that makes sense why they're bringing the heat. And you go look at the Ravens roster and you got a couple cats with Nigerian names and then Jadavian Clowney and then one of the defensive tackles is killing. And you're just like, wow, how are they leading the league in sacks? And then you watch their games and you're like, wow, because the pressure is not just coming from the front. I mean, look at how they closed that game against the Chargers. They brought a nickel off the edge and dropped Michael Pierce, a defensive tackle, yeah. into the, the blitz window. Herbert didn't know what to do and got wrecked on fourth and six. That is what the Ravens can do to you. You think you've got Clowney covered. You think you've got number 99 for them covered. And the next thing you know, here comes Kyle Hamilton, you know, or here comes Geno Stone. You know, they're just so multiple on defense. And I just think when you can generate quarterback pressure and you're not relying on one dude to just win every week, you're not relying on one defensive tackle to win his matchup with a guard or a center, you can bring corners and nickels and Patrick Queens and Roquan Smith and you're just bringing the heat. I think that kind of tilts the, the scale a little bit in favor of the Ravens because I think both offenses are great. They can run the ball. They can protect. Their quarterbacks are really dynamic in different ways. Play callers are really good on both teams. But I think when I watch that Ravens defense, I am watching a different animal. And they, they make good teams look bad. They make good offenses look like they don't know what they're doing. And we just saw it um, on Sunday night against the Chargers. And to have a healthy Lamar Jackson down the stretch for a change will really give us finally a chance to see what this Ravens team can do when everything's put together. Michael, Sean DeGar of The Athletic, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me. Stop betting on the Wizards. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Never bet on the Wizards, man, ever. I love advice. it. It's becoming a thing. <laughs> this is the best thing we could have put in that open. Meanwhile, Ryan's probably at home, still sick, but betting on the Wizards. They're not playing tonight, but, you know, that's usually how it goes. CPJ, feel good about your Ravens, man. Wow, Stop that's... being so damn jaded. Bet MGM tonight. 
It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. you got to ride this out. You have to ride it out. The Pacers are crazy because they play no defense, but they're also number one in the NBA in pace of play. So that's the mm-hmm. reason why the Pacers. they just keep crushing it. Yeah, they, <laughs> oh, good job. They are the Pacers. They're living up to their name, right? That's what they do. Yeah, I, I would be on the Pacers. I am on the Pacers over tonight. I believe what total is 240 and a hook, if my memory serves. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I would be on the over until I see otherwise, particularly because it's not a fluke. It's This is just the way they play basketball. And I are you going to be on your Tyrese Halliburton prop? I don't think so. Um, I would need to see the number because I do believe that the books are finally starting to catch up and the numbers are usually pretty high for Tyrese Halliburton. And I'm wondering, there is blowout potential. Like, props Mm -hmm. are killed by blowouts. And the the Trailblazers are coming off a back-to-back. It's a team that sometimes has trouble scoring, which usually the cure for that is facing the Pacers. Uh, but still, right. I think that is the sabotage factor. If you're looking at any type of player props in a game that has a 12 and a half point spread. But going back to trends, do you think mm-hmm. that you should bet on games because of the trends? Or are you somebody who says, okay, trends don't always project what's coming next. It's just what's been happening. And it's kind of like you don't... Do you get what I'm saying here? Yeah, because no, I've gone saying. back and forth with people who say... Trends are not always relevant in sports betting. And they kind of equate it to spinning a roulette wheel and saying, Mm -hmm. okay, every other spin that you've had in the past 15 spins has no impact on your 16th spin. But I think if you can find a reason for why this trend has been so profitable, that's Mm -hmm. when you can actually play a trend and say, okay, if you have uh, a lot of ammo into saying why this trend has been happening, that's when you can start saying this trend is predictive as opposed to just something that's random. I think what you have to do is is you look at the trend. Tonight's Monday Night Football game is a perfect example, right? And I was mentioning this earlier, mm-hmm. where I believe that the Vikings are 7-2 and two against the number in their last nine. They're 5-1 and one against the Bears. They're 4-1 against the number in their last five games against the Bears. However, that trend came with Kirk Cousins at quarterback and Justin Jefferson in the lineup. So all of a sudden, that trend is, okay, maybe there's something to it, but for the most part, it's null and void because you have such crucial pieces who aren't going to be a part of tonight's game. So if you like a trend, great, but look at the underlying factors and make sure that you can still make a case for it. And I don't mean, oh, well, oh, the Pacers are 14 and one of the over. I'm going over. Okay, great. But who are they playing tonight? Are they playing the defensive, the best defensive team in the NBA? Are there any key players out? What has changed since that trend held versus tonight? And you take all of that information in and you say, okay, yes, it still lines up. Then you go for it. But you have to be careful with trends because things can and do change. And then also, Chelsea, as we know, Vegas always adjusts to the number. Right, and I think that's what makes me nervous about the over in this Pacers game is that 240, like, for a normal NBA game, it sounds high, but it sounds really low for Pacers games. 
Let's get this thing rolling, though. Glass is in session. And before we get to Monday Night Football between the Bears and the Vikings, we did have some breaking news this morning, probably about like two hours ago. Carolina Panthers decide to get rid of Frank Reich after not even a full season, after 11 games. They've gone 1-10. David Tepper has a temper. Pretty much. He doesn't put up with losing. Not a fan of it. 1-10. Bryce Young, all that they gave up for him. And uh, Frank Reich is out the door. What's crazy about this whole situation is we all know that the Panthers gave up a ton to move up in the draft and get the number one pick. If they would have gone with C.J. Stroud, none of us would be talking about this. Frank Reich would still have a job. And we all thought that the Panthers were geniuses, that they hit a home run. The reason you trade up in the draft to get the number one pick is to get a guy like C.J. Stroud. The Panthers did everything right but the selection, and they went with Bryce Young instead. And now we're starting to see the wheels kind of fall off. It's going to be interesting who they go with next. Obviously, you would think it's going to be an offensive guy because they got to figure out this Bryce Young situation. They're tied to him for the next two, three years. They, they gave up way too much to kind of abandon ship. They have to make that work. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. I love Zay Flowers, PJ. I love him. Ravens minus three and a half look dead. I mean, when you see Justin Tucker miss a field goal inside of 50, I'm like, well, I'm screwed. I literally got up and said, all right, going to start uh, cleaning up down here, put some dishes away, going to go to bed. And then all of a sudden, I Zay Flowers saves the day and anybody else that had the Ravens minus three and a half in that. I, I know, look, I know you look at your Ravens and there's, it's weird, I feel like, because you talk about the Ravens being one of the best teams in the NFL, yet I feel like there's this jaded other side of you at the same time, and you've got a devil and an angel on each shoulder, and you can't really figure out who you want to listen to right now. So what's annoying is that I, they, I think they are one of the best teams in the NFL, but as you and I both well know, that doesn't mean that the best team wins in the NFL, especially in the playoffs when it's one and done. That's just how it goes. They've been winning in all 12 games going into the fourth quarter, and then, you know, they just, all these games, they just find ways to choke away leads. So I love their team. Hopefully they can continue to stay relatively healthy. The Andrews loss is obviously a big one. Maybe they can get yeah. him back if they advance deep into the playoffs. But, uh, I mean, as we were just talking to Mike, man, like, I mean, for him, he's seen both teams play up front and in person. And for him to say that the Ravens, he thought, were a little bit better than the Niners, I mean, that speaks volume to me. I thought he made great points about, you know, the Ravens coordinators. And I love Mike McDonald. I hope the Ravens do whatever it takes to make him the coach and waiting behind John Harbaugh. Um, and obviously, I mean, Nick, you and I would have been an upgrade over Greg Roman. So, right. you know, I mean, please. I'm trying to figure out who was hated more by their fan base, Greg Roman <sighs> Or Matt Canada. It's a good. It's mm. and I don't know if there's really an answer to that. No, now, were there ever any, were there ever any fire Roman chants at Orioles games oh, like we did? Uh, 
Maybe Orioles not at games. Yeah, maybe not at Orioles Because games. we had that at uh, what Penguins, Penguins games. It was did. Fire Canada. Yeah. Which, again, I, I keep trying to tell people it should have been Blame Canada. Yeah, that's, that's what you go. I mean, it's, I mean, you missed a great opportunity <laughs> there, Pittsburgh. Canada. But it is what it is. Especially if they were playing a Canadian hockey team, yeah. right? It would have been too perfect. If it was like Pens and Leafs, <sighs> that would have been amazing. Would have been amazing. I, I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't. I Neither one of them. I, I don't know if I could. I don't think there's an answer to that. I might say Matt Canada. Only because of that. Because there were, it crossed over into other sports in Pittsburgh. Yeah, that last name is just too perfect. Yeah. So, all right, uh, PJ's here. I'll go next. Let's get into our power rankings, the top 10 in the NFL as we head into week 13. Ben MGM tonight, power rankings. Does that make you want to run through a wall, PJ? Hell yeah. I like your new imaging. I'm a fan. You know what? I'm excited for this because on my show, Send It In, 1 to 1.30 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, right here on Good the BetQL Network. Thank you. I do my college football top 10 every Monday, but I never do the NFL oh. top 10. So I'm excited to dabble in that. And I feel really good about my list. Nick, I think the best team in the National Football League is the San Francisco 49ers. All right. An absolute machine. When they are fully healthy, when Brock Purdy doesn't have concussion-like symptoms, when McCaffrey's out there, when Debo's out there, when Ayuk's out there, when Kittle's out there, and when Trent Williams is out there, nobody can beat this football team. There is a reason why the Philadelphia Eagles are 10-1, while they are the reigning NFC champions, while they have just beaten the Chiefs and the Bills, and they are underdogs at home to San Francisco this week. It is because they are a wagon and their defense is very good now they did have a tough injury to their safety that chase young pickup looks like it's a really really good one to go alongside with nick bosa that niners pass rush is kind of back to its old ways i just i love this team man they can hurt you in so many different ways and with shanahan calling plays with all those weapons that they have to me that is the number one team in football the number two team in football is my Baltimore Ravens. I, I really, really like my team. I think this is the best team that <laughs> Lamar has played for. But yeah, Nick, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm terrified. I absolutely am. The old Ravens, back in the heyday, Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, Terrell Suggs. Oh, when they were up in the fourth quarter, tuck the kids, go to bed. Ball game's over. New age Ravens. Oh, Nick, hold on to your butts. It's going to be a bumpy ride because they love blowing away fourth quarter leads they are so good at getting out to starts they're so good at having the lead going into the third quarter going into the fourth quarter like i said they should be 12 and 0 this season all three of their losses their win percentage in those games were like 82 percent or higher lamar's awesome keaton mitchell was a great find they finally got it right in the first round getting a wide receiver and zay flowers and as we were talking with Mike, man, that defense, best linebacking corn football with Patrick Crean and Roquan. I mean, Kyle Hamilton's a monster. Marlon Humphrey hasn't really been playing the last couple weeks. And what helps the Ravens a lot is the fact that they haven't had their bye yet. It's finally coming up this week. So they got a chance to get healthy and regroup because they have one of the toughest schedules remaining in the NFL. But I think they are the best team in the AFC and the number two team overall. Philadelphia Eagles, they're 10-1. They're lucky as crap, Nick. It is unreal, the state mm -hmm. of Pennsylvania. I don't know what they did. Benjamin Franklin is just, I mean, it's its unreal what they're doing in the state of Pennsylvania. Between the Steelers, between the Eagles, got to give credit where it's due, though. They find ways to win. Jalen Hurts is awesome. They have two number one receivers in A.J. and Devontae. Their D-line is terrific. 
I just think the Niners are the better team. And again, they're playing this week. They're favored. And I actually like the Eagles to win the game. Even though I think the Eagles are going to win, I still think San Francisco is better. But the Eagles are my number three. Kansas City's number four. It's crazy that Mahomes is a defense this good. And they're actually a defensive team. I think maybe the Chiefs found something, though, Nick, in that game against the Raiders, where maybe they tune it down a little bit in the passing game. I know you have Mahomes, but you lean on the running game, you play towards your defense, and, you know, you try and reinvent yourself a little bit and win games Give that way. Isaiah Pacheco the football. Have to. Been yelling it all year. Have to. That's what turned the game when they were down 14 nothing. So the Chiefs are favored to win the AFC, as they should be. They're probably going to get the number one seed. I like the Ravens team better. But the Chiefs are number four. Dallas is number five. They are unbelievable at home. Like, they beat everybody at home by 20 points. But again, they played Philadelphia on the road. They played San Francisco on the road. They've lost those games. I don't trust them in the playoffs. I think Dak's going to turn into a pumpkin when the lights are brightest, unfortunately. But they got stars all over the field. There's a lot to like with that roster. But I just I can't trust you. If your quarterback's Dak Prescott and your head coach is Mike McCarthy, I can't get there. Dallas is uber-talented. They're the fifth team, best team in the NFL to me, but I can't trust them in the playoffs. Miami, they're, they're kind of the similar team to Dallas, right? Like, explosive offense, great at home. Tua, those receivers, even their defense I like a lot. And the way that they're improving under Vic Fangio, Jalen Ramsey is back. But the Dolphins' three losses are against Buffalo, the Chiefs, and against the Eagles, all away from Miami. They can't beat the elite teams away from home, which is what they're probably going to have to do late in the season. I think they're really good, but uh, they're my number six team. Jacksonville was almost number seven by default. I really don't like the Jags all that much. They're eight and three. I've never been as high on Trevor Lawrence as everybody else has, but Doug Peterson teams, even when he was back in Philadelphia, always get better as the year goes on. That was a huge win against Houston. And they got a really good roster. You know, their defense is solid. Bringing over Calvin Ridley to go along with Kirk and Ingram. ETN's a really good back. They got a good team. I don't know if they're a serious threat in the AFC, though. But they are number seven for me. The Detroit Lions. Man, do I wish in hindsight I took the Packers on Thanksgiving. Like, the Lions hadn't had an 8-2 and two start until 1962, Nick. Like, of course, they're not going to make it easy on their fans. <laughs> of course, they're going to have to torture them one more time. I just, you know, Goff's done some nice things this season, but it's games like the last two weeks that he's played against the Bears and the Packers where it's like you see some good things, you see some bad things. I just, I can't trust them in the playoffs their defense just continues to get worse and teams are carving them apart so we kind of talked about it yesterday it's really Niners Eagles then it's the Cowboys then it's kind of like the next tier for me Mm -hmm. I think the Lions are a good team but they're my number eight and then at number nine and ten I went with a couple of AFC dark horses that I think could be worth taking a sprinkle on potentially to win the AFC Because, Nick, I see flaws with every AFC team. I think it's wide open. C.J. Stroud's the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. The guy is unbelievable. I kind of think he's doing what the Houston Texans with Joe Burrow did with the Cincinnati Bengals. He's coming in right away, and he is completely changing that organization. And he's changing it overnight. We forget how bad the Houston Texans were. And C.J. Stroud is just turning them into an awesome team, a team that's winning games against some of the elite teams in the NFL. 
They're three and a half point favorites this weekend against the Broncos, who've won five straight games. I think that tells you a lot. Texans are my number nine, and then the Broncos are my ten. Hottest team in football. Defense is playing great. Super Bowl winning head coach, quarterback. I know Russ isn't prime Russell Wilson in Seattle, but man, he uh, he's playing really good football. Javante Williams has been great for them. Sutton's a number one receiver. And that's my number 10, Nick. I feel pretty good about it. What, what are your thoughts? I mean, I'm, obviously we're going to hear yours, but what do you think of my top 10? I think the back end of the top 10, for me, there was a lot of debate between, like, three teams. It mm. was Houston, the Bills, uh, Cleveland, yep. Denver. Yeah. And those are, like, the kind of the four right now that I looked at where you're getting some trending in the right direction, but you got pros and cons for each one of them. I'll go the other way. I'll start with number 10, PJ. And I put the Houston Texans there just like last week when they first moved into the top 10 for me. This is a top 10 team in the NFL in scoring. It is crazy to think that with the offensive line and the issues we saw at the beginning of the year and C.J. Stroud, a rookie quarterback, that the Houston Texans right now are not only top 10 in scoring, but their rookie quarterback is a legit MVP candidate. Now, I don't think he's going to win. But I absolutely look at C.J. Stroud and say that has the look of an MVP. And let's just say this was C.J. Stroud's second or third year maybe. He'd get even more consideration for it. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, we spend so much time talking about how we haven't had anybody really separate themselves from the pack in terms of MVP. I mean, if we're being honest, the best resume is C.J. Stroud. Look at where he's taken this team. They had the number two overall pick. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. And now they're a top 10 scoring team, and they were sitting above 500 before that loss to the Jags, which, by the way, was only three points. They look competitive. They look like a team that belongs. They look like a team that is a legit playoff team. Going into Week 9, though, here's the one thing I'm a little concerned about is their defense is trending in the wrong direction. Going into Week 9 against Tampa, the Texans were 8th in scoring defense. Since then, they've fallen all the way to 14th. They're giving up a little over three more points a game, which may not seem like a lot, but over that stretch, that actually is a big deal. So their defense is going to have to kind of get things right for this team to sneak into the playoffs. Number nine for me is the Bills, and I struggled with this. I wanted to drop them back out again and maybe put Denver in here. But really, the Bills were super competitive against an Eagles team that is has the best record in the NFL. So mm-hmm. you, you can't... I didn't hold that against them like I've held some of the other losses against the Bills. And, and honestly... This is a team that looks much better offensively now that you've made the change at offensive coordinator. I mean, Joe Brady running the show makes it look like they have a legit offensive coordinator, and people forgetting what he did at LSU. In Carolina, We uh, clearly we can tell it's dysfunctional, so anything that happens there, it's what used to be my team in Washington that clearly is no longer going to be that team after this season with new ownership. That may be turning into what the Carolina Panthers are and what David Tepper's doing, who, by the way, does have some... He's got some little, uh, there's some Snyder qualities that are already there. But I like the Bills in there at number nine. But here's the issue with them. The Bills now have to sit around and think about that loss to the Eagles during a bye week, which Mm. is just the worst for a team that's already struggling with confidence, digging themselves out of a hole. That's a really, really bad position for the Bills to be in. So, And they get the Chiefs out of the bye week. And they get the Chiefs (laughs) out of the bye week, which we know has been their Achilles heel Mm. in the playoffs Mm -hmm. year after year after year. So we may actually, this may be the last time that we see the Bills in a top 10 in any power rankings. This team could be in a free fall if that gets to their head and then they come out and Kansas City whoops them when it's all done. So I'm keeping the Bills in at number nine right now, but they're just two and six in one score games this year. And that that's also a very alarming situation for them. Jags are in at number eight, kind of the same spot that you had them in. And like, the offense has been a real disappointment 
if you look at Jacksonville this year. From last year to this season, we thought we'd see an act- a jump, but they've really gone the other way. The offensive line has been better over the last couple of games. One sack, four quarterback hits allowed. So they're protecting Trevor Lawrence a lot more, but they're 29th in the NFL in pass block win rate. So a lot of it is getting the offensive line right, if they can, to allow Trevor Lawrence to get back to really what we saw at the end of last year. But remember, it was the second half of the season when the Jags really started to pick things up, and they actually won that division, and they didn't have a good defense. This time around... They're a much better defensive team, at least against the run. They're forcing turnovers. Josh Allen has 12 sacks this year. He's getting after the quarterback, the other Josh Allen, not the quarterback Josh Allen. So you've seen some improvements on the defensive side of things that if the Jags can get things right offensively, protect Trevor Lawrence, continue to trend in the right direction, which we are seeing, then this is a team that will look like probably not a one seed in the AFC, but at least maybe a threat which some people, including myself, did like as a long shot before the season actually started. So give me the Jags in there at number eight. And I'll have the Lions in at number seven. The Lions right now, for the second straight week, you brought it up, PJ. Like, when you see those types of Jared Goff games, you go, oh, no. The story may be be going in the wrong direction. But it's a top ten offense. It's defensive side of the ball. I mean, yes, they're better defensively this year, but you're watching them go in the wrong direction. They're allowing opponents to score a touchdown in the red zone at almost 69% of the time. Nice. Which is third worst in the NFL. Not a good direction for them to be going. Rest of the power rankings coming up. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Carolina. Obviously, their division is terrible. The Atlanta Falcons are now in first place after their win over the Saints yesterday. So, Certainly, if they were in the AFC North, would be a big issue. If they were in the NFC East, would be a big issue. But they're in the NFC South, so even though they're the worst team in football right now, if they're able to bring in the right coach, kind of like what the Rams did when they went from Jeff Fisher to Sean McVay, they found the right guy with Jared Goff. He looked like a completely different quarterback the following year. They went to a Super Bowl. I'm not saying Carolina's going to do all that. What I am saying is that if they find the right coach, For Bryce Young, the rebuild might be a little bit quicker than we all think. Certainly, they need a lot of help elsewhere. They need a better offensive line. They need to get better weapons. The defense is pretty solid, but I think Carolina is in a little bit of a better situation than people realize. Bryce was the number one pick for a reason. He won the Heisman Trophy, but they got to get the head coach right. And David Tepper has to get this next hire correct. He has to get it, and he has to listen to his football people. Like, I get you're the one calling the shots. It's your team. But you're also got to listen to your football people. It seems like everybody in that building wanted Stroud. He wanted Young, and they ended up going with Young. Well, you clearly made the wrong decision, and you should have gone with Stroud. So listen to your football people. Make the right decision. But as for the Panthers moving forward, I almost love betting teams off when they fire the coach in any kind of sport. I love betting teams that next game, right? The Raiders, we all saw with Josh McDaniels. He gets fired. Antonio Pierce comes in the following week. They beat up on the Giants. It could only be Panthers or pass for me against the Bucks this upcoming week, plus six. I feel like the guys liked Frank Reich. They just weren't playing well. Bryce hasn't been great. It doesn't seem like they hated Frank, much like the Raiders clearly were ready to move on from Josh McDaniels. So I don't know if it will inspire them as much as it did the Raiders, but certainly 
anytime it's just a rule it's a personal rule for myself anytime a coach gets fired i'm always going to back that team the next week so for me it'd be panthers plus six or a pass uh sans matt canada and with this kind of random thing that they have going on here in terms of uh, play caller here and all that stuff well the biggest difference that we saw in that game was they weren't necessarily using their deep threats as often it was that they were using pat Fryermuth a good bit more <laughs> and they were targeting receivers aligned tight a good bit more highest rate all season long for kenny pickett nearly a fourth of the time Pat Firemuth had 60 yards there. Other receivers' backs were also there in terms of being aligned tight and then targeting there. It's not the bombs to George Pickens. That's not what's changing here. So in that aspect, I do wonder how long it will take for other defenses to catch up to this added wrinkle that they are featuring, number one. And then number two, we saw this in the Rams-Cardinals game. Like, yeah, Kyler Murray looks more than serviceable. But boy, they are bereft of talent. I mean, it's the problem yeah. they've had all season long. It's not that they aren't coached. I mean, the coaching's not the problem. It's that they just don't have enough talent. Like, they get a ton of pieces in the draft, and at least the Cardinals can be serviceable. You could build around Kyler Murray if you want to, but they're just lacking a bunch of warm bodies at this point. I think the correct answer here is to lay it with Pittsburgh. He is the favorite still. The markets aren't open, but like when they closed, he was the favorite. And Bland gets a pick six. And I'm thinking to myself, and we play that Nance call already in the show, which is just so electric. And it's like, awesome. And this guy has done something that no one's ever done before. And these are really impactful. Like a pick six isn't, you know, it's not like, uh, it's like a random play, but it's also a very important play. Like it matters that he did this. It's not just like random or silly or something. Like it's really, really impactful. Uh, and at the same time, and this is what I told people back, I just go, look, and I said this Thursday, I go, look, if they held the vote right now, Miles Garrett would get every vote. Like, I don't care if he broke the record for pick six. Miles Garrett would get every single vote if the voting was held literally right after the game. Miles Garrett would have got every vote. So just like, that's where we were. That's where we were on Thursday night. Now Miles Garrett might be out for a long time. Does that open things up for a random winner? Maybe. Micah Parsons is advocating for Bland to win instead of himself, which is kind of interesting. Now, the Cowboys have two defensive player of the year candidates. Generally, when you have two, that's terrible because they cannibalize each other and they both get votes. And that's probably not great. Does TJ Watt just win now? If Miles Garrett's going to be out for a long time? Maybe. T Look at who TJ Watt's facing at quarterback the next eight weeks. Look at some of those guys. That's six sacks in a game waiting to happen with some of those games. Um, not necessarily this week. He's playing Kyler Murray. But like you, you literally look at the schedule, you get the idea. Uh, they got they got the Patriots on the schedule coming up. That'd be one game. So just like, who is it now? It I, I don't my know, point Mal is Malik Cunningham's got some escapability. Oh, maybe. I don't know how that's gonna go. But We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Nick Asher, you know what I love about this time of year is we finally have like a, we're seeing the good teams separate themselves from the rest in the NFL. We are. We're not going to sit here and BS and it's three, four games in. You're like, well, you know, if they can keep this pace and they can, no, you're starting to see the bad ones fall off and you're seeing teams that maybe had tough starts to the year that were underachieving like the Broncos start to make those runs and start to get more to the level of what at least on paper they look like. 
Once Thanksgiving hits, Nick, that's when the big boy football starts. Yep. That's when we get yep. rivalry week. That's when we get championship week. That's when we get the bowls, and that's when we get – that's when in the NFL we really start looking at the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. We start looking at the NFL playoff machine. You love going in there and typing in the different scenarios. Oh, of and course. Seeing, oh, it's the best. Absolutely love it. This is when I start doing that. So I'm with you, man. I it's it's awesome. When you when you have in the hunt or if the playoff started today and <laughs> oh, it's yeah. five six weeks into the season, doesn't really mean that much no. other than maybe giving you a little perspective. Now now it means something. All right, you went through your top ten already. Let's go back through that again. What's your top ten? All right, so we got the Niners at number one. One, the Ravens are number two. They play, by the way, on Christmas Day. Whew, can't wait. Eagles number three. Chiefs number four. Cowboys five. Dolphins six. Jags seven. Lions eight. Texans nine. And the Broncos are number ten. If the college playoff committee wants to rank teams, you should give me a call because that <laughs> is a professional list. It's not a bad list, PJ. Mine's slightly different, though, with the Texans in at ten, Bills nine, uh, Jags eight, Lions seven. That's what I got through so far. And then I'll move to the Cowboys at number six. And, you know, the Cowboys are a great regular season team. It's when you get to the playoffs, when it's real big boy football Indeed. that they throw up all over themselves. But we're not in the playoffs yet, so I can't count this year in the playoffs because if I had a crystal ball, I'd be able to tell you what happens, and I'd make a lot of money off of it. But I don't I don't have a uh, sports almanac like Biff and Back to the Future because if I also had that, I'd also have a lot of money. But I don't have that. I'd buy that private island and hang out with Jimbo Fisher in his private island. And I'd, don't what a have, gig he has, right? Here's $76 million. <laughs> Go away. Okay. Yeah, seriously. That's fine with me. See you later. <laughs> he wasn't pleading. No, yeah. are you oh, sure? Oh, oh. Are you sure? Well, you, you twisted my arm. I guess I'll take the Can $76 I please million. please stay? Oh, God. Please. Just, I think he's calling Frank Reich, and the two of them are having a cocktail uh, party because oh. Reich was also 25000 a day? He, Reich had money from the Colts gig oh, and right. from this. And I know, you know, Josh McDaniels can join him, too. It's just what a that's life. Why Frank Reich, who's going to be, I think he's turning 63 soon, right? Said, this is probably my last dip in, like, the At NFL. this level. Yeah. Like, why would you bother? Go is it coach worth high school. It's low pressure, and you've got tens of millions of dollars. Easiest, easiest decision in the world. You mm-hmm. mentioned Tepper and the Snyder affect or effect. It looks like it a little I bit. I mean, it, it's starting to see show its head. There's a little of a lot going on right there. Yeah. God bless. I think <laughs> the Carolina Panthers are going to be a very dysfunctional franchise for a long time. I feel I bad for Bryce Young. They're, clearly, the Panthers are not going to be in my uh, top 10 power rankings. But uh, the Cowboys are. They're in at six. They just need to beat a team over 500. Like, we really haven't seen them step up to the level of competition. They're great at beating the bad teams. They're great at blowing my commanders out, which, thank you, by the way, it got Jack Del Rio fired. We wanted everybody fired on this team, and little by little, that's going to happen. But really, losses are going to be good. So the more losses, the better for Washington. We'll take it. But... You know, you have these losses if you're the Cowboys to the 49ers, to the Eagles. Those are two contenders. Those are the two best teams in the NFC. And you could argue the two best teams in the NFL right now. And you lost to them. And you lost to the 49ers especially. I mean, that was it was embarrassing. But the Cowboys have won 13 straight games at home, which is a plus. And they got a lot of games at home down the stretch, which is really going to help them. Deron Bland is also turning into a shutdown corner. Like, he's not just uh, go out and, you know, risk a reward, you know, like D'Angelo Hall used to be years ago where he'd get beat deep or he was going to pick you off. You're seeing more from Deron Bland, and that really helps, obviously, with the Trayvon Diggs injury this year. We wondered who was going to step up for Dallas. Well, Deron Bland has been that story, and it's been a great one. So that's a major plus for Dallas. But again, go beat teams that are actually winning teams winning franchises this season and then I'll take you seriously. Same thing for the the Dolphins. If I'm going to say it about Dallas, I'm going to say it about the team at number five and that's the Miami Dolphins. Beat a team with a winning record. 
I beat a team sitting at 500. I, I want to see a real win. The problem is you're not going to get a real test until the last three weeks because you got the Cowboys. So test for both of them. Talk about a great matchup between the Cowboys Literally. and Dolphins. I'm betting an overtime in that game. You better it, believe it. Does, it. it and a tie. It yep. does. And a tie. Uh, and a Could tie. you imagine if it that would... game ends in a tie? Beat somebody over five. Okay, never mind. I guess I'm we're just... betting that, and you, I just hope I remember to do it. I got to write that down. Cowboys, your Ravens, and Bills are going to be the last three weeks of the season for yep. the Dolphins. So I think that there's certainly going to be a lot of tests there if we're still questioning whether or not this team can be you know, make real noise when it comes to the playoffs. They've gotten better defensively, though. We kind of knew this was going to happen. Jalen Ramsey looks like Jags Jalen Ramsey. Like, we're sitting here and going, oh, they've now forced nine turnovers and, and 14 sacks since Jalen Ramsey got out on the field week eight. Oh, okay, maybe it's not so... Maybe they're better defensively than we thought. And that's what really matters, because we know that this offense can score with anybody. Anybody, if you're the Miami Dolphins. The question is, what can you do defensively? And when you take Jalen Ramsey and Adam to the equation, but you take Jalen Phillips out now, of course, with that torn Achilles, it may just balance itself out. And that's the biggest thing for the Dolphins, though. Show me what type of team you are defensively. Your Ravens, I put at number four, PJ. And and I, I debated this a lot with a couple of the teams up here because I really love the Ravens, too. The top four for me is kind of like the back end of this where you could rotate a couple of teams in and justify all of them. The Ravens are the only team to rank in the top ten in all three phases of the game, which is a major, major plus for them. But I'm a little concerned at the loss of Mark Andrews. I mean, that's something that can really be a problem. That's the safety net. That's your really still your go-to pass catcher if you're Lamar Jackson. That concerns me. But if Odell Beckham Jr., who we're starting to see trend in the right direction, continues to do that, that's going to take away some of that blow a little bit. And, I mean, offensively right now, they're averaging the most points, almost 28 a game since Lamar Jackson's MVP season back in 2019. They're holding teams to an NFL best 15.5 points a game. They're at the top there. So if this continues, I'm jumping them up even farther. As it goes on, I just I want to see now what it, I want to see them hold on to a damn lead, and I know you do too. So that's really what concerns me a little bit is yes. these blown leads are something that makes me just a little bit hesitant about them right now. And when you go up and see what they did against the Chargers, who are at least good offensively, you feel good about it. But there's just it, th these games are too close at the end when they shouldn't be. So that's why I put the Ravens in at four. I put the Chiefs in at three, uh, and it, the Chiefs are just a hard team to read right now because well, when you have Patrick Mahomes, you got everything. Mm -hmm. When you've got a defense that's generated, you know, a, a, a ton, like a ton of like they're getting after every quarterback they see. They gave Jalen Hurts absolute hell last week. But what do we? think we're going to get from Travis Kelsey even the rest of the season. It's up, down, up, down. Taylor Swift's in the stands. He's happy. Taylor Swift's not there. He's sad, and all of a sudden, he just isn't catching the football, and he's got a article with Forbes or GQ, wherever the hell it was. He's like, I'm thinking about retirement all the time. I don't want to hear the, my, my go-to receiver, my go-to pass catcher, talking about retirement right now during the season. If I'm, if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm like, yo, focus on this. Let's talk about this at the end of the season. But at least now, they're starting to see that Rasheed Rice is a guy you need to target more, right? Eight receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown against Vegas. But they also down 14-0 in the game. That's a little concerning. You've had 19 turnovers from this offense this year. They're turning the ball over too much. Almost 7% of their passes are dropped this year. That's a problem. They can't have those drops. We know that they've been issues. So it's just... The weak pass-catching situation for them is, is really, really concerning. This is where I struggle the most, though. 49ers or Eagles at number one. 
I went with San Francisco at number two, even though I still think they're the best team in the NFL. I can't fault the Eagles if they just keep winning. So I, I you win games, even if it's ugly. Right now, they have the best record in the NFL if you're the Eagles. So I leave them at number one. I put the 49ers at number two. I mean, dominating wins over the Cowboys, the Jags, the Seahawks. They haven't needed any comebacks. This is a team that when now we will have it decided. They play the Eagles on Sunday. That's it. We're going to know who the best team is in the NFL in my eyes. Right there, whoever wins that game. By the way, I think the 49ers win that game. I like them to cover. I think they win that game outright. Well, obviously, if they cover, they win the game outright. But I, they, they've over, they outscored their last three opponents by a combined 92-30. to 30. 15 sacks over the last three games. They're getting after the quarterback. They're scoring a ton of points. They're making life hell for teams. The 49ers look like the best team in the NFL. The problem is, to me, the Eagles keep winning, and I'm not going to hold it against a team that keeps on winning. Brock Purdy, by the way, completing 70% of his passes, one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in the NFL. But, you know, the ability for the Eagles, PJ, for me to stay calm in these games, to they average 14.6 points a game in the second half. They're scoring. That's the best in the NFL. They're comfortable. They're relaxed. They looked horrible in the first half against the Chiefs. And the second half comes around, and they're like, we got this. And that's a testament to Jalen Hurts, who really didn't even put up great numbers in that win against the Bills, yet looked like an MVP. And, you know, in the end, the defensive imbalance is a problem for them. They're third against the run, but they're 29th against the pass. They've given up the second-most passing touchdowns in the NFL. They're a middle-of-the-pack takeaway team, but they still find ways to win these games. I think the 49ers are more complete, more balanced team, but the Eagles are finding ways to win, and that matters too. What you do in these clutch situations absolutely matters. How you handle late-game situations when the pressure's on absolutely matters, and I'm more comfortable with the Eagles down in the fourth quarter by a touchdown than I am the 49ers because I've seen more of it from Jalen Hurts and the Eagles than I have from Brock Purdy right now. So that's why the Eagles are one for me and the 49ers are number two. All right. Nick, if we were breaking this down in March Madness terms, you have an elite six, and then your final four is just all over the place. <laughs> I love your 10 through five. I think it's very, very good. Then we get to that final four You're butthurt four about the, the Ravens, top. aren't you? I am. You know, you're buttering my team up. They're top 10 mm-hmm. in this, top mm-hmm. 10 in that. Mm-hmm. I like them. But Blowing leads. It concerns that. It, it should look, concern you, too. Of course it does. It should concern does. you, too. Of course it does. I hear you on the Eagles, and, you know, you, you have to respect a team that finds ways to win. Obviously, you have to respect that. And if they've gotten outgained in their last four games by 100 or more yards, yep. it's not like they're like getting outgained like the Steelers are. They're getting crazy outgained. So I'm putting San Francisco at the top just because when they're fully healthy, they are beating people, and they're doing it convincingly. And obviously, we'll, we'll likely get the tiebreaker this week, right? I mean, if the Eagles beat the Niners by 10 points, two touchdowns, they'll be my number one next week. I can't argue head-to-head with that game. Whoever yep. whoever wins that game, I'm calling and looking at and definitively saying that that is the best team Agreed. in the NFL. Rankings help, but rankings aren't everything, right? There's other intangibles that aren't necessary. Well, there's, there are technically stats for everything. I mean, the NBA's got clutch stats. You know what I mean? Yep. But, like... There's something to be said for a team that when they're down Monday night football specifically, I just I keep thinking about what the Eagles did against the Chiefs and what they overcame, and I say, you need that in the playoffs. And that makes them so damn dangerous. I cannot wait for that game. Cannot wait. It's BetMGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.